0: And now, a faux-fiction audio production, published by Not-A-Pipe Publishing. Super Guy, by Kurt Clopton. Super Guy, the generic alternative. Less superhero hype, same superhero quality.
1: Chapter 17 Oliver was walking home. He could have run and covered the miles in just a few minutes, but he didn't feel there was a good reason to arrive any more quickly. At the moment, it seemed more important for him to have some quality time during which he could reflect upon his first night on patrol in the city. It hadn't been a bad night, although there was certainly room for improvement, but that mostly being in the form of still having the tourists to drive home. Oliver, had spent the better part of the night in the car, cruising slowly around the city, focused primarily on the downtown and waterfront areas with the highest crime rates. The material the chief had provided gave him that statistical information, but also showed that while those areas were traditionally the highest in the city, there had also been a steady increase in the last six months. There were similar increases in other areas, some even out in distant suburbs. And Oliver wondered if there was a pattern he wasn't seeing. Something more than just the overall increase. Maybe he would figure out the big picture with more time, but this particular night was about routine patrolling, and the reports didn't do anything to help him there. The easy solution to that was the police radio, Oliver simply listened to the calls they were receiving and decided whether he could be of help. He could have used his communicator to listen in on the police band, but he preferred the radio in the Taurus to having all the noise right in his ear. Unfortunately, the bulk of the calls were not exactly hero-worthy, being things like routine traffic stops, public disturbances, or simple complaints, so Oliver just continued to circle around getting used to the city at night and his new job. There was one shaky moment after Oliver discovered the Taurus was equipped with lights and a siren, and he accidentally pulled over a garbage truck, but it wasn't until about four in the morning that a call went out really requiring his attention. A high-speed pursuit had started on the south side of the city and was heading in Oliver's general direction, so he decided. It was a good time to make his debut.
2: Let's get in the game, he said to himself,
1: whipping the car around in a quick U-turn and heading south. Listening to the ongoing commentary on the police radio, Oliver kept himself in the path of the pursuit until it was close enough that it would have to pass him on the current street. He pulled the Taurus to the right curb and got out. Tugging on his gloves to make sure they were snug, Oliver walked to the middle of the street and then slowly south in the direction of the oncoming pursuit. He heard some high noon gunfight theme music coming from somewhere, then realized he was humming it himself. The road was four lanes wide, with two lanes going in each direction and the additional width of a parking lane on each side. Parking meters lined the curb next to the street, and Oliver fleetingly wondered if he should have dropped a quarter in for the tourist, but guessed he was exempt, being on official business. Or maybe he didn't have to pay after eight o'clock. He should have read the signs. Realizing he was getting sidetracked, Oliver concentrated on the scene. A delivery truck was on the left side of the street, down about 50 yards and parked, so it was angled back toward the sidewalk for easy unloading. This meant it was blocking the parking lane in most of the first lane on that side of the street, but at this time of night, there was very little traffic except for the high-speed chase in question. Oliver heard the police sirens as soon as he stepped out of his Taurus and could now see the headlights and flashing police lights of the cars coming his way. He positioned himself just short of the delivery truck so the car had less space in which to maneuver around him, and he planted his feet waiting. It didn't really occur to Oliver that he had never done anything like this before until the car was less than a block away. In fact, he realized he hadn't given much thought to how he was going to stop the car. Although he had a sneaking suspicion, the superhero part of his brain had already worked that out. Unfortunately, to what was left of the regular Oliver part of his brain, that plan looked a lot like letting the car hit him. Oliver gave a little credit to the serum at that point because at least this realization didn't seem to bother him. It was just how he did his job. This first time anyway. He reserved the right to work out new options in the future if this hurt like a bitch. A few seconds later, the fugitive car was only yards away, and Oliver threw up a hand to signal stop, while at the same time bracing himself for the impact. The pursuing police car sirens were deafening, and the lights flashed in a variety of dazzling patterns as they roared toward him. With the headlights of the fugitive car bearing down on him, Oliver closed his eyes at the last second and waited for the impact. A howling screech sounded as the car braked, in that last instant and Oliver flinched in anticipation of collision. But it didn't come. The screeching continued, followed by a repetitive metallic popping coupled with a slightly delayed tinkling after each pop, and finally one loud, thundering crash. Oliver opened his eyes to see the pursuing police cruisers coming to a halt around him, sirens stopping and their lights reflecting off the surrounding buildings. Brand-new tire marks scarred the pavement in front of him and swerved around the hero toward the curb to his right. There, they straightened out and disappeared, but not before one tire had gone up on the curb and a new type of trail began. This one made up of parking meter pole stumps. There were close to six stumps along the edge of the sidewalk— A couple with the tops still attached but bent down to the pavement while the rest of the meters and their former contents were strewn all over the general area. This mess made a rather obvious path leading to the final crash of the fugitive car, which was right into Oliver's Taurus. Police officers had approached the subject car and were pulling out the driver, who appeared to be completely unhurt and fairly oblivious to anything around him. Oliver could only stand and stare at what was left of his Taurus. Its front end crumpled almost all the way back to the windshield, which itself had the pole of a parking meter sticking out of it. He wasn't an expert on automobiles, but Oliver guessed the damage was probably what insurers called totaled. Near enough, anyway. To add insult to injury it appeared a small fire was starting underneath the two cars.
2: I just got that.
1: Was the only thing Oliver had said about it at the time, but he had repeated that same sentence over and over like a mantra during the walk home. One of the police officers had offered him a ride, but after watching the fire department extinguish the small blaze that had been his new car, Oliver felt like he needed some solid alone time. He knew it was just a Taurus, but it was still his new job's only perk, ignoring all the superpower stuff. Not to mention, a big step up from the Omni. How was he supposed to cruise around the city on patrol in the Omni? So not cool. The sun was just starting to rise when Oliver finally reached Mrs. Lundquist's house and walked up the stairs to his apartment, thinking about the one useful thing he had learned from his first night on patrol. Park far away and walk to the fight. They hadn't covered that at the convention. Inside his apartment, Oliver found a bit more activity than he expected. The smell of coffee filled the small space, along with sounds reminiscent of a bustling office. The printer was shooting out paper, some kind of Movie or live feed was playing on the computer, and the local news was on the television. Above it all was a grinding sound emanating ever so appropriately from a grinder being used by Roger on a piece of metal atop a makeshift coffee table slash workbench. When he noticed Oliver in the doorway, Roger stopped the grinder and removed his safety glasses.
2: Don't you sleep or at least go home once in a while?
1: Shutting the door behind him, he pulled off his gloves and mask and dropped
3: them on a convenient crate. Like I said before, I sort of commandeered this place, so I don't need to go home, and I slept plenty, at least as much as I could bear. It's tough to let all this new stuff sit around here without opening it up and seeing what we got. It's a lot like Christmas morning, really. Only it lasted a week, and the presents are all the size of crates, and each one is cooler than the next. So really, a lot better than Christmas! Christmas! And there's a lot of boxes yet to go.
1: Roger gazed around the apartment, looking a bit exhausted, yet very content. He was in his happy place.
2: Is it me? Or is this even more of a mess than it was last night?
3: The same amount of mess, really. Just not as much as contained in boxes anymore. I was looking for something specific and had to open a few things before I found it. Sorry about that.
2: I suppose it doesn't matter, I'll probably be out saving the city most of the time anyway, right? That reminds me, after my first night on patrol and all the wisdom I've gained, I believe the job requires that we make transportation a priority. Flight would be nice, especially if it was the actual superpower as opposed to a flying machine of your creation. But other non-flying vehicles would be good too. Motorcycle maybe, an ATV, something like that. Really, anything. You know, for backup, or extras. Emergency reserves, you know,
3: just in case. I'm getting the feeling something happened to the Taurus.
2: Quite a lot, really. A whole lifetime's worth of stuff in just a few minutes.
3: He noticed a slight smile
1: on Roger's face.
2: But it seems that you already know, don't you?
3: (laughs) It's on the news. They covered your first big arrest in the wee hours of the morning, and some of the footage showed the cars burning. (laughs) I thought I recognized what was left of an unlocked police car. The news didn't report it, so they must not have realized it was an official car, let alone yours. I'd say that makes your first outing as the official city hero a success, as far as anyone else knows. Still, tough to lose the car, though.
2: I don't know. I didn't exactly have much time to bond with it. And it didn't really seem dedicated to the fight for truth and justice, seeing that it flamed right up the first chance it got. Probably a good thing it's gone, since it was a fiery death trap posing as a comfortable, roomy ride with an above-average sound system. So that brings me back to the question of transportation. Obviously I'm in need of some kind of replacement, at the very least another car, but I was hoping maybe the warehouse where you got everything else would have something with a little more punch than the Taurus. Maybe a muscle car or a crotch rocket. Hell, I'd even settle for a hybrid. Otherwise, maybe the flying vehicles if we can get one that works, or can we find some way of getting me the ability of flight. I don't suppose they have unused add-on flight serums there, like one that arrived in the mail the day after the hero was tragically knocked out of a plane? Any ideas?
3: Well, you'd have to check with Emma about the car situation. You might be able to get a replacement through the city immediately. It should all be insured. But that's just gonna be another Taurus, or something similar. I can get on the warehouse site and see what's available, but we have to be really lucky to nab something in good working order. We might be able to get some non-working or half-destroyed cars but that'll require a lot to get them going, like time and space where I can work on them. We don't have a budget for paying someone else for repairs or for building anything new. The same goes for the flyers. Really, we need more space whatever the case. What about sponsorships? Sponsorships?
2: Yeah, like with NASCAR. We don't have the budget for buying a car, but maybe someone will pay us to use their car. Like an endorsement. The Coke Burger King Dodge Charger. At the post-battle news conference, I'll do all the requisite name-dropping, like, the Coke Burger King Dodge Charger ran great today and the Schwab air-to-air missiles were right on target. Heck, maybe I can even get someone, like an airline, to give me the money for flying.
3: Yeah, and you could wear a big Delta Airlines cape once they buy you the ability of flight. Yeah! No. No? Sorry, buddy. It's a good idea, but you can't do it. As a superhero, you just can't sell yourself. It's not legal. It could be seen as someone else or some company buying influence with you, so heroes aren't allowed to do it. Although villains can. They make an absolute killing in endorsements.
2: Really? Well, that doesn't say very good things about our society. Nope. Ah, shoot. I thought I was onto something there.
3: It's not that it hasn't been considered before, and many people think it might happen someday, especially if the economy slows and smaller cities or states start to lose their heroes because they can't fund them. Then maybe there'd be enough pressure to change the rules, but even then it's believed there will be monetary caps on the endorsements, so it won't be possible for one big company to completely fund a hero. It'll look more like NASCAR, as you said. Patches for 20 different companies all over someone's costume.
2: Well, that sucks. I mean, I don't want much, just a new car.
3: Well, without the possibility of the Coke Burger King Dodge Charger, the first thing we need for you is to contact Emma and ask about a replacement car. But you should also check with her on the space issue.
2: Yeah, I'll do that. She's probably not going to be happy about the car, considering it was my very first patrol. It's not really a good first day.
3: I believe I'm legally obligated to note that the day's not over yet.
2: Yeah, well, as far as I'm concerned, it is. I'm going to call Emma and take my beating. Then I'm going to go sit down and read through the rest of the file the chief gave me. If I have any luck left at all, these tasks will keep me inside the apartment and out of trouble.
1: Oliver paused a moment and sighed.
3: Calm. Call Emma.
1: A second later, he could hear ringing on the other end.
3: Stay inside and keep out of trouble. Now that's what I want for the model of my city's hero. Bite me.
1: He turned away from Roger when he heard Emma answer the line.
3: Good morning, Emma.
1: He said as cheerfully as possible, thinking he might be able to change their whole rapport with a new start. The words that greeted him back assured him it wouldn't be happening. He had forgotten, it was still very early, and Emma didn't seem to be a morning person. So he decided to forget mending things for the moment, and just move on to what he needed.
0: So
2: you wrecked the car,
1: said Emma, in summation after listening to Oliver's convoluted explanation of the night's events and their consequences.
2: Not me personally, no, but it is wrecked. It was an innocent bystander, really. If you catch the local news, you can probably see video of it burning. Quietly. In the background. Bystanding. Burning? So, more than just wrecked. Like, totally gone? Yeah, basically. I'm no mechanic, but it really didn't look great before it started on fire. I'm sorry, I know it's early and it might take you a few minutes to get all this processed, so I'm just gonna move on and you can quiz me later.
1: Said Oliver. He asked about a replacement vehicle, and then gave her the mission to find them some vacant space as soon as possible.
0: So after your very first day on the
2: job, the only things you need are a new car and a new building. You might want to try putting a slightly different spin on it when you talk to the chief. I don't think the Earth's rotational speed would be enough spin to make this sound good. But the space issue does have merit. I just wish you wouldn't have crashed the car. Don't lead with that, then. And I have to stress once again, I didn't crash it. Whatever the details, I'm fairly certain the chief will already know, being there were cops around. Well, just do the best you can, then. Thanks. Calm and call. Said Oliver, cutting the line.
1: Roger was at the computer going through the warehouse inventory in search of anything useful. So... Oliver grabbed the chief's file from his conference tote bag and went outside onto the stairs to read. He felt a real need to make some headway on the reason he was now a superhero and putting up with all this crap.
0: You have been listening to Super Guy by Kurt Klopton, a faux fiction audio production published by Not a Pipe Publishing. Look for the sequel to Super Guy coming this September. This recording, characters, and the situations within are the property of their author and creator, and protected by copyright. If you wish to listen to more episodes in advance, search Patreon.com, then Faux Fiction Audio, and sign up to be a monthly patron. Or, stay tuned until the next week for your free episode. We will see you then.